everybody, and welcome back to another Victory Green Hour as the Philadelphia Eagles are now 8-7, and seven, winners of, of five of their last, or excuse me, six of their last eight games. They hold the seventh, while, the seventh seed in the NFC playoffs and could potentially clinch a playoff berth with a win against Washington and some help along the way. I'm your host, LJ Harrell, and joining me as always is my co-host, Connor Donald. Connor, I wanted to wish you and your family a happy new year. Yeah, absolutely. Same to you and then same to all the listeners. Hoping for a good 2022, 2021 ended with a bit of a... Some, Betty White, R.I.P. John Madden. Yeah, exactly. It was, uh, yeah, tough. And then 2022 starts with a R.I.P. Dan Reeves, the former Falcons head coach also was coached with the uh, Denver Broncos. Yeah, no, exactly. It, uh, it was a, uh, it was a rough out, but here we are in new year and, uh, hopefully a good, uh, January to come, especially for the Eagles. And, uh, speaking of a little bit of help, COVID kind of helped already because Washington's down probably the best offensive weapon and, uh, Kirk Cousins will not be throwing the ball for Minnesota and we need Minnesota to lose against the Packers and, was already an uphill battle and and that just made it a little more uphill battle for for them so i'm uh i'm feeling good this weekend i'm feeling good yeah definitely i mean like you mentioned we're definitely we're going to definitely get into the eagles washington matchup um before connor before we we talk about the eagles giants let's give our uh, let's give a shout out to our partners over at fight philly fight yeah definitely yeah shout out to the fight philly fight network uh, for having us along for the ride. Although uh, I have been busy over the holidays and unable to write very much, I will be writing a ton in the off season and a ton leading into the playoff stretch here. Um, so uh, shout out to them at FPF Network on Twitter and FightPhillyFightNetwork.com. And of course, don't forget about our wonderful sponsors over at BetUS. Make sure you go to BetUS.com and uh, sign up, make that first deposit. Tell them the Kelly Green Hour sent you by using the promo code FPF Network and get in a 125% sign-in bonus. Yeah, and we definitely look forward to getting the creator, the owner of the Fight Philly Fight Network, Tom Tom Cunningham, on the pod in the next couple of weeks um, to get his thoughts on all things Philadelphia Eagles, especially if the Eagles are able to um, clinch a playoff berth, have a playoff matchup. You know, regardless of who the Eagles face, if they make the playoffs, it's it's um it's a win it's a win for the Eagles. Like they can go, they could clinch the seven seed, go in two weeks face Tampa Bay Buccaneers and lose forty eight nothing, which I don't think they will. But like they could get blown out, and I don't see that as a loss for the Eagles. Nobody expected the Philadelphia Eagles to be a playoff team this year. They're 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 doubled. Uh, they've already doubled their wins from last season. They're over what the the expected win total was for coming into this season. So regardless of what happens from here, you know, if they clinch a playoff berth and what happens in that playoff game, you know, it's a win. And and the one thing the Eagles have going for them is their their offensive line is the best offensive line in football, and they potentially could dominate any defensive line and keep games close in the playoffs. So that it'll be interesting, and obviously we don't want to look ahead of ourselves. So so that's something that I can't wait uh, to talk about. Hopefully in a couple of weeks. But on the last one, absolutely. But I mean, exceeding expectations is already a step in the right direction. Sure, we still have some questions to be answered, some positions of need, but we knew that that would be the situation, and that this year was figuring out what those needs are. And apparently, people are saying, you know, this this is a rebuild, and a lot of people within like Philadelphia and podcasters and content creators around Philadelphia were saying this could be a retooling, and it has turned out for the positive where it looks more like it's going to be a quick retool and we have a lot of the pieces already in house to get some of the work done. Um, so, I mean, when you think back to like, I think back to uh, USA today, they projected us to be worse than Detroit. <laughs> like the expectations were literally at almost zero, like two wins, three win team, like not even. Their predictions it. are awfully horrible every year though. Definitely, but they weren't the only one. There's a lot who thought we'd be right in that mix with, you know, Jacksonville, uh, the New York Jets, the uh, Detroit Lions, you know, down in that mix of the bottom five. And, and we've exceeded expectations big time. 
sucks in a year where we finally have three first round picks. All the teams are fighting for the playoffs and that. Uh, <laughs> But whatever, it is what it is at the end of the day. If you want to kick the can down the road and move some of the later picks to get some picks next year or something, we'll see what Howie decides to do with everything. But we're definitely way better positioned than when we spoke about, what, 16 weeks ago when we were making our predictions? Yeah. Um, you know, as you mentioned, with the three first-round picks, you know, as long as Howie is smart and able to to hit on them, you know, they're they, – the Eagles' turnaround or continued resurgence, you know, could continue to take a positive swing into next year. You know, the, the big question was, is Jalen Hurst the quarterback? Um, I mean, I'm assuming, I'm assuming he's going to be the starting quarterback next year. Obviously, Howie always has his eyes on who that next guy could be. Um, you know, if Aaron Rodgers is available and he's able to get him, he probably will get him. I don't think Russell Wilson's going to be the guy. Um, he'll he'll probably be out of uh, Seattle this year. I, I don't know if the Eagles are willing to give up three first for him. Um, and then you know the Deshaun Watson thing. I don't I don't think that they'll do that. I think Aaron Rodgers would be the only quarterback um, that the Eagles would potentially look to go and, and get to replace uh, for Jalen Hurts this year. And 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 it's if if they bring Jalen Hurts back, then you get another year of and you bring in a veteran receiver. Give them that that give them that uh, opposite weapon across from Devontae Smith with Dallas Goddard. You, you give him another year to, to see if he is able to be that, that passing quarterback that or the quarterback that can win throwing the football. Uh, we don't know that yet. Last week against the Giants, he had a couple of questionable throws that his receivers bailed him out. Dallas Goddard. Um, I don't think mm-hmm. Hurts saw the safety when he threw that up to Goddard and Goddard just beat, beat the safety and, and was able to take it from him. Um, he threw up a ball to Quez Watkins. Wes Watkins made a play for him. He threw up a ball to Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith made a play for him. So Jalen Hurts still has work to do on the defense on the um with, with throwing the football, but he has made progressions this year, and that's kind of what we wanted to see. Um so, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. I mean, you saw it a couple times in the Giants game. There was a one pass to Devonta Smith where he literally stepped up in the pocket, easily could have ran for the first down, but he decided to plant his feet and fire a shot instead of getting you know, the eight or nine yards to get the first down, it turned into like a 25-year play to Devonta Smith. This is progression, but obviously we want to see consistency. But the idea that he'll pull up in the pocket, he'll stay in the pocket a bit longer, he won't he won't react as moving out of the pocket as prematurely as he used to, that's a huge step in the right direction. When I was watching, re-watching the game, um, it, you could see there were plays. He was stepping up, he was taking his time, he wasn't two seconds and then spinning out and running away or anything. He he kind of took his time. I think time. a lot of that has to do with his, his hurt angle, though. But that's good. Like, if, if Hurts is seeing it this way because of a hurt ankle, maybe he's like, I can do this. I don't need to constantly use my legs. I don't need to make all the plays happen. I can trust Devonta Smith. I can trust Dallas Goddard. He can clearly trust Quez Watkins, who should get more touches. He can trust not a ton. But you can trust with a few touches a game, Jalen Reger. Like, he can trust everybody just enough. Jalen Reger looked great last week for a couple of plays when he got hit on those. He's just not a guy you target eight, nine times a game and should expect six receptions for over 100 yards or anything. He's a guy that can bail you out in a situation, and we saw that last week in New York where he was able to really help Jalen Hurts, give a quick screen pass or a quick shot in the flat, and he produced a – first down out of it. He gave you 12, 15 yards out of it. That's what we want from Jalen Rager. And of course, we're going to continue to remain disappointed by Jalen Rager, but those are the types of plays. Like I, like I was saying on last week's episode, if we accept who he is going to be in this offense, not the investment we made in him. If you accept who he is and what he can be in this offense for us, then you will more quickly accept him. Because the amount of booing this poor guy got, and then everyone suddenly cheering for the guy. No, don't don't be those people. You're with him or you're against him, and it feels like there's a lot of people against him until he does one thing right, and then as soon as he does one thing wrong, it's the end of the world again. But if you just accept the reality that he's not the first round talent we expected, but he can do things for us and he can help this offense, we saw it against the Giants. We just need that consistency from him. That consistency from Hurts like we saw in the second half, I think consistency is key on offense. And 
And what hurts the most, I think, is, is that Miles Sanders injury hurts a lot. You look back at the, the Giants game in, Miles Sanders, it was chunk play after chunk play after chunk. It was like that guy has one of the best yards per carry and true yards per carry. I think true yards per carry is the best depiction of what a running back is doing. It discounts plays of, of runs of 10-plus yards, and Miles Sanders is one of the tops in the league. So when he's running between the line of scrimmage and 10 yards, he's producing. He's not producing one yard here, two yards here, three yards here. He's producing like five, six, seven yards. You get it to Sanders and they're just chunk plays. So that could be something we miss greatly down the stretch. Um, but hopefully- and the one thing about Sanders, one thing about Sanders that he has worked on is not cutting and not, not mm-hmm. jumping. He's, 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 now he's not Jordan Howard in this, in this respect, but he's learning to hit the hole and go. And like, we, we know he likes to, <clears throat> to make moves because he can, he can burst, bust one out and, and take a, what would be a 15 yard run into a 35 to 40 to 70 yard run. But mm-hmm. he's starting to learn to trust the offensive line, take the holes that are given. And that wears, you, you, you talked about it, you know, with Howard and Sanders, the thunder and lightning that wears defenses down. And then you get a, then you get a, 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 a Jordan Howard who comes in in the fourth quarter, who's fresh. And you have these defensive linemen that have to tackle this bulldog of a guy. Yeah, they don't want to do that. So they, they've been such a great pairing. And, it, and you're right. It's definitely going to hurt this week going up against Washington. Not having Miles Sanders and having a banged up Jordan Howard. It, it's going to be, hope, hopefully, um, you know, Howard is able to, to come back for the Dallas game. We'll see what happens. But definitely need them if they were to clinch a playoff berth in that wild card weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And and the fact that they didn't put him on the IR is a positive because they think that he can come back before three weeks. Is that really going to happen? Who knows? And, you know, they can wrap your hand up. They can give you these, like, bionic arms pretty much now. So there is a there is probably a way that he can come back. But, like, that's a broken hand, and players will be going. They know you're not going to use that hand as much if it's not 100%. And we already know that Miles Sanders has had his history of fumbles. So I don't think I'd rush him back because you don't want those bad things to happen because he can only really use one arm really well. You want him to be able to protect that ball really well, not make those mistakes and be confident with himself in the run game. So I think their goal is probably hoping to get him back for the wildcard round if if we make it there, because that would be three weeks out. So that gives him the time to really get better, but you won't see him in the next couple of weeks. I think this was just that we want him available if he can be for wildcard weekend. So we're not going to put him on the IR because if you put him on the <coughs> IR, he wouldn't be available till after wildcard weekend. So, but I agree the Thunder and Lightning with Sanders and Howard was working so well. And Boston Scott, man, he, he's lightning, he's quick, but he's not getting a chunk play. He's four yards here. He's at four yards here, five yards here, guys. Miles Sanders is at 10 yards here, 12 yards here, six yards eight yards like there's always chunk plays coming from miles sanders you don't see that from boston scott and it feels like boston scott's only true success with chunk plays comes against new york giants who we are (laughs) done playing for this season so um it'll be tough to say what what happens from there but the miles sanders loss will hurt but it may mean jalen hurts has to rely on his legs a little bit more again i mean he only carried the ball twice last week that is not jalen hurts-esque but he may have to ramp that up a little bit despite the ankle just to help be that big play, that chunk play. Because usually when Jalen Hurts pulls down the ball, he's not going for one or two yards. He's going for a bigger play. He's going for like a Miles Sanders-like game. So we'll see how things go there and the type of uh, game plan. on Johnson obviously was brought on, but I don't think he's going to play. I think you're going to see a mix of Scott, Howard, and Gainwell this week. Um but, I mean, that's okay. Gainwell's good in the past game, and I feel like Scott and Howard can do their thing against Washington and, and do enough to hopefully get, get the win. But I'm not as confident in the Russian attack as I previously would have been when we were getting seven straight weeks or eight straight weeks of 175 rushing yards. Yeah, and, you know, I want to touch back on that the, the Eagles-Giants game from last week. The Eagles started off really slow, and they're fortunate that they weren't facing a better team with a better quarterback, that they were facing Jake Fromm, who – just doesn't look like an NFL quarterback. And then Mike Lennon came in and still doesn't look like an NFL quarterback. Um, the Eagles were fortunate. Um, it was tied 3-3 at the half, and then he went on an explosion in the uh, third quarter, scoring 17 points. Um, and that 
ridiculous toe toe drag swag from from Devontae Smith in the uh, corner of the end zone. But yet, so the Eagles are going to have to figure that part out. They have to start games faster. Um, they're very fortunate that they they've been on this stretch where they faced very poor quarterbacks. You know, they faced um, Garrett Gilbert, and then they faced Jake Fromm. And I mean, while they're going to get Taylor Heineke this week, they're going to miss you know Antonio Gibson and Terry McLaurin's banged up. So, and that offensive line is also banged up for for Washington. So like they're very fortunate that they've been able to get away with starting games really slow. And I don't know, you know, I don't know if it's the, the 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 script where Sirianni wants to try to come out and pass to get the quarterback comfortable, and then he's like at, at, at the end of that script where nothing is working, he's like, all right, whatever, we'll go back to running the football. And obviously the Eagles have success because that's what they are. They're a running football team. Maybe that they should start out that way and use the running game to open up the passing game. Instead of instead of vice versa, come out throwing the football. You know, last week I think the first two series, the first the first two series was all passes. You know, six plays, six passes. It, and I don't know if they got. I don't remember correctly. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I don't think they had a first down. So that's something that the Eagles are are going to have to figure out. Um, start quicker because that Dallas. If the Eagles are fortunate enough, they'll clinch this week. So that that Dallas game means nothing to at least them. It can still mean something to Dallas, but. You know, you don't want to have to go into week 18 needing to win against your arch rival. And it could come to a point where Dallas could potentially pick and choose, quote unquote, who they're going to play in the first round. Because if Green Bay has the number one seed wrapped up and Dallas, say, has the number two seed wrapped up, and if the Eagles win, they face Dallas in the wild card round. But if Dallas wins week 18, Dallas gets another team like Minnesota or San Francisco or New Orleans or something like that. It could come down to Dallas. Do they, would they rather play the Eagles in Dallas? And we, we know what happened the last time that happened earlier this season, the Eagles got smoked or do they want to play somebody else? And, and that, that would make for an intriguing week 18 scenario. But, but you know, the Eagles have to play it smart this week, come out, run the football, attack this Washington defense without a couple starters in the secondary, um, run the football, you know, you, you're not going to go for 175 probably, but you can't give up on the run game, give it to Howard, give it to the game. I'll give it to Scott and, and then allow Hertz to make passes when he absolutely needs to and keep Dallas Goddard needs to learn how to catch the ball. He had two more drops last week, early in the game. He's got to, he's got to figure that out. If he wants to be a top tier tight end in the NFL, which we believe he has the ability to be, he needs to catch the football. And if he doesn't, you know, start catching the football, that, that hurt that hurts the confidence from the quarterback. While while Hurts is still gonna go to him because he's a top two target for 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 him. You know, if, if they're able to get a couple other guys in here that can make plays, you know, Goddard could become a, a, an afterthought in this offense, which we don't want, especially after giving him that big contract. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, you look back at that game in general when I watched the game a second time. Um, there was drops all over that. Field. Like the 17 for 29 does not do Jalen Hurts justice because really take away the four. I think it was four. They, PFF credited with three, but they definitely missed on, uh, I believe it was that uh, Kenneth Gainwell had a bad drop as well that they didn't count as a drop on PFF. But I would say it was more like a 17 for 25 type day for Jalen Hurts, which suddenly looks a little bit better than 17 for 29, because it was Devonta Smith had one, Kenneth Gainwell had one, Goddard had two, and Tyree <coughs> Jackson had a bad one, too. But, I mean, he got Tyree, hit on that one, but yeah. He, probably he, he did get hit, but, like, if you're a tight end, you got to squeeze that ball. You got to be ready for contact. That's the, you know, the rookie in him. That's the, give him a year or two. He's like the, the new Jordan Mailata. That he's the Eagles' next experiment where they're going to work on him. And within a couple of years, we're going to be talking about Kyrie Jackson as, as, a, as a key piece of this offense, I think. Because, like, I've, I've watched the games and I've seen him block at the beginning. It was ugly. As the, as the weeks have gone on, he's hitting better with the blocks. He's being looked at by Jalen Hurts. He's just got to squeeze that ball. He's got to start making the plays. And in no time, he'll be a key part of this offense, I think. He's a huge guy. He's a big weapon. You can't defenses are gonna have to account for that guy. The guy's like six foot seven, two hundred and fifty pounds, and he used to be a quarterback. So he knows what he's doing and he runs well. He's 
fairly athletic given his size. So they're going to have to start accounting for him eventually. He just has to keep proving that you need to account for me. And so, I mean, honestly, so really it was like five drops instead of four drops. So really it's like a 17 for 24. Should have been better, but it wasn't better because of the drops. And that's back-to-back weeks, like you said, where it's not, it is Goddard, but there's others who've been involved. I think Smith's had back-to-back weeks with a pretty ugly drop. Gainwell was last week. I think, like, there's been multiple. Like, I, I imagine we're at almost 10 drops over the last two weeks alone. So it, it's really frustrating to watch the drops because Jalen Hurts is hitting the target. He's making the play like we want. But I feel like too much falls on Jalen Hurts for those plays where they're not making it. Because a lot of these plays, they're not, like, the ones that Goddard are easy. Those are e- gimme catches that Goddard has to have. But it's not like Jalen Hurts is thrown behind on these drops. He's hitting them right in the breadbasket, right where you want it to be. So they got to start making those plays, two or three less drops a game. And this, this offense looks a whole lot different already. Just having, you know, that additional two or three catches, whether it be for a first down or to help make the next play a little bit easier, who knows? Who knows what it does? But like you said, it does hurt Jalen Hurts' confidence. And it, it has to hurt the confidence of the receivers because it's like, man, I got to have that. Darius Slay, when he dropped the interception too, I know that the sun was his eyes. I get it. But still, like those are the plays that need to be made and have to constantly be made. And drops on both sides of the ball just can't be. The fumbles on special teams, ball security and, and securing the ball in general seem to be something that needs to be a point of emphasis heading into the playoffs because those are the mistakes that make or break you in the playoffs when it's a one possession game. So we're going up against a better quarterback and a better team. You know, you're not going to be going up against the giants, Washington's uh, Mm -hmm. of the world, the Taysom Hills of the world. You're going to be going up against Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, um, Matt Stafford, maximize every drive. And if you miss one drive, as much as I think our defense has improved, you miss one or two drives. You can't expect the defense to stop everything. And you give up those one or two chances, that, that can be the end of it, especially in the playoffs. Like you said, Tom Brady is not going to give you many chances. Matt Stafford and Sean McVay are not going to give you many chances to screw up. No, they're not. So they, they definitely have things to improve upon. But, like, again, coming into this year, nobody thought we could come into 2022, um, the last two weeks of the year, that the Eagles are going to be fighting for a playoff berth. And that's exactly what's happening. They're fighting for a playoff berth. You know, the they they got the benefit of a fourth place schedule, yes. But these last five games are all four, last four games, five games, whatever, all against division division opponents. So they they're playing the schedule that's in front of them, and they can't be blamed for that. You know, it's not like Jeffrey Lurie went to Roger Goodell and said, "Hey, can you make our last you know month of the season against the direct of our division?" And you know that's how we're gonna make a playoff run. But no, like they they deserve credit. Sirianni deserves a lot of credit because at the beginning of the year when they faced Tampa, when they faced San Fran, when they faced Kansas City, like that schedule was not easy. And with the amount of veterans on this team, when they got to two and five, they could have mailed it in. You know, Kelsey could have been like, I'm I'm just playing it to retirement. Fletcher Cox could have accepted a trade to wherever. Uh, Lane Johnson when he took his time off, he could have extended that time off and not came back. But no, the the veterans have bought in on Nick Sirianni, you know, and, you know, the veterans on defense have bought in on Jonathan Gaddon. And they've been able to keep this team together and put them in this position. My one question for you, Connor, is we, we, we talked about coming into the season that, you know, we wanted to see the, a progression from Jalen Hurts to see if he's going to be the quarterback of the future. Who have you been more impressed by? Jalen Hurts and the way he's been able to run this offense and, and be, be the leader that he has been? Or Nick Sirianni, you know, after what happened at his, his introductory press conference, his flower, uh, you know, talking about flowers, and that's the speech that he gave. Like, they've been, what, five and two? or, or They've been six and two since that statement, I think. Like, who have you been more impressed by, Hurts or Sirianni? I got to admit, I think I'm more impressed by Nick Sirianni. He faced a lot of adversity. He faced a lot of backlash, rightfully so, from the media and stuff. And I'd say rightfully so with some skepticism because 
people were ready to write him off as that uh, this guy's got to be one and done after three or four games. And I was always coming on the pod and I was like, no, you've got the, he's not going to be done after one year. They won't do it. And now Jonathan Gannon's in the talks for head coaching interviews and stuff. Like I think we, our media painted this picture that didn't make it fair for Gannon, that didn't make it fair for Sirianni to be given a fair opportunity in Philadelphia and to be given the right an adequate amount of time, a full season. That is what you need when you bring in a coach, unless you're Urban Meyer. Then, of course, get him the hell out of town. That guy's destroying your franchise from the inside out. But, like, you need to give them a full year, just like Jalen Hurts. You need to give him a full year with the same offense, with the same coordinator, with the same coach, because everyone's going to do something differently. So, like, great Jalen Hurts. He transitioned. It took him a while. Nick Sirianni, same thing. But Nick Sirianni found something that really worked, and he built to Jalen Hurts. He built that offense around Jalen Hurts. You bring Aaron Rodgers in in the offseason, your offense looks ex- extremely different, completely different. You're not running the offense Nick Sirianni has built for Jalen Hurts. So the fact that he's been able to build this, to go through adversity, to really, to really, he, he's a leader. He, he changed the culture. He got people to buy in despite, like you said, the Fletcher Cox situation, despite some of the big injuries like Brandon Graham, Brandon Brooks. Some of these guys who who were key cogs in prior seasons and he's been able to get people to buy in and to play tough and to go out and and try and win every week like even in some of those games where we were blowing out earlier in the season you could see they were playing they were fighting they they didn't look like the giants this past week they didn't look like washington of two weeks ago where those are teams that were done they were deflated they have given up they're packing it in this team never looked that way despite this really challenging first part of the schedule. And then they got to the back end of the schedule and boom, look what they did. And look, like I said earlier in the year, the Falcons game showed promise. The 49ers game was pretty close. The, the what was it? The Panthers game where Chargers where it was really close as well. Like there was so like so much promise, but everyone wanted to write him off because he wasn't produce, producing like this immediate out the gate four and two record against one of the hardest opening six weeks of schedule in the entire NFL. So I'm going with Nick Sirianni on this one because Jalen Hurts still has work to do. Yes, he's progressed, but I think I've seen more progress over the last couple weeks than I saw over the first like 10. And I don't like that it took that long for that progression with, well, Sirianni built an offense for him that is working for the entire team. Mm-hmm. That's why I got to give it to Sirianni on that front. And he he changed up the offense because obviously the first part of the year he came out and, you know, that Dallas game hurts throwing the ball 45, 50 times and they only called three running plays. And he realized, all right, look, like we're not built to throw the football the way like this way. So they changed things up. And, you know, ever since they're leading the league in rushing. And so he deserves a ton, a ton of credit. Um, and uh, the person I think that really deserves a ton of credit is Jeffrey Lurie. He, it's very rare that he makes a bad head coaching decision. He hired Ray Rhodes. They made the playoffs the first year. Um, obviously it, it kind of, it, it went, it went downhill. Then he hired Andy Reed. Andy Reed drafted Donovan McNabb, you know, when everybody, a lot of people wanted Ricky, Ricky Williams. Now they didn't make the playoffs the first year. But then they went, you know, they made the playoffs the next year. We had four straight NFC championship games, went to a Super Bowl, made the championship game in 2008, uh, the NFC championship game in 2008. And, you know, and by the end, you know, it was more of, I think, both both sides needed a change of scenery. And Andy Reid has found great success in Kansas City, obviously winning a Super Bowl. And then the Eagles hired Chip Kelly and they won the division year one. Um, went to the playoffs. They won 10 games year two, just didn't make the playoffs before, you know, he wanted to, before uh, Chip became Chip and wanted, you know, to do everything his way. Then hired Doug Peterson, and nobody ever thought Doug Peterson should have been hired. And what did happen? Year two, won a Super Bowl. And then after getting rid of um, Peterson in five years, they hire this no guy nobody knows in Nick Sirianni. You know, they even acquiesced to him when, during the interview when he was on vacation, didn't have 
suits that they were like, just come in, you know, regular clothes. And, and everybody in that interview room wore regular clothes. So like to, to make him feel comfortable. So Jeffrey Lurie deserves a ton of credit too. And, you know, that's why the Eagles, it's very rare that the Eagles have a, a, a long sustained losing. You know, they're not the Jacksonville Jaguars, Detroit Lions, Cleveland Browns, you know, Washington football team, Giants, uh, Dallas, you know, back in the, the early 2000 or back in the 2000s, like when they, they were they were bad for, for years and years because they couldn't get a quarterback and whatnot. Like th- that that's an important thing for an owner. Uh, and, and does Howie Roseman deserve a little bit of credit? Probably. Um, but he also put them behind the eight ball, you know, ruining that Super Bowl team. So they deserve credit. But I, I mean, Nick Sirianni has done an outstanding job, has proven me wrong. I was calling for his firing after what week five or whatever it was. And now, you know, he's he might lead might lead the Eagles to the playoffs in year one with three first round picks next year. And, you know, you get more weapons on, on this defense, get get a couple of weapons on offense with money to spend. And who knows what could happen in the years to follow. Yeah, definitely. I, I completely agree. I was trying to play the patient game and and say, you know what, we're going to see more from this guy. You need more than a season. If every coach started off poorly and we fired them, we never would have got to where we would have got. We, we would have ended up with probably six different coaches between Chip Kelly and now. Like, you just have to be patient. And like you said, same with Doug Peterson. He's on the radar for the Jags job because they know he's a culture-changing guy. They know that that they need they, to go to complete opposite of Urban Meyer. <laughs> exactly, you need to go with culture uh, over everything and uh, culture and experience. Something that you're really going to build up your roster, build up the uh, everyone in the locker room, and that's Doug Peterson does that. It was just his time was up in Philadelphia. Two people had to suffer for you know the chaos that was happening and the the collapse of the locker room, and that was Carson Wentz, and that was Doug Peterson. They were the ones that were right in the crosshairs when everyone wanted it to be Howie Roseman. These two in the crosshairs. So I guess, in a way, Howie Roseman deserves credit for that. And frivolous spending, he didn't do it. This year, he had $20 million almost the entirety of the season. And constantly, you pull up Twitter, it was, go get this guy, go get this guy, go get this guy. When, as they got cut or released, go get this guy. Why not get this guy? Pay this guy a couple million. And he million. got Steven Nelson less than what Nelson wanted. Exactly. Exactly. So that's the thing. He was patient. He said, I want to see what I have in-house. He figured out what he has in-house. He kept what he wanted to keep in-house. Josh Sweat, Jordan Mailata, Avante Maddox. You know, he got all those big signings out of the way that big Dallas got or well, all that. Big one thing, uh, I am not allowing Howie off the hook for everything because. Well, no, no. His draft, like. If he didn't say they didn't take Jalen Hurts in, in round two and they took a Jeremy Chin, maybe Carson Wentz wouldn't have lost his mind and and he wouldn't have and wouldn't have hit the tank. Like obviously we won't know, but but you know he put them in that position. He drafted again. He drafted J, like Jay Jaw. He drafted Rager instead of the, the couple of people that he could have drafted. Like that's where you know and and, and it forced them to draft. And, and again, I love Devontae Smith so. I'm not mad that he's here, but like maybe they could have taken and, and with the debate that team people have in, in this town, should they have Parsons or Smith? Maybe they wouldn't have been forced to take Smith and could have taken a Parsons if they if he would have hit on the the right receivers in your previous years. And again, I love Devontae Smith. I'm glad he's on the Eagles, but things could have been different if um he if if Howie didn't botch the drafts and he has not. He was not good in drafts. Like we could be, we could be real about that. He was not good yeah. a lot for a lot of the drafts. Obviously, the 2000, you know, the 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 2021 draft was really good when you got, um, you know, Devontae Smith, Landon Dickerson, Milton Williams. Um, you got a bunch of guys that are that are playing week in and week out, and that are playing meaningful minutes and helping you win games. Like that's a good draft. Also, the draft where, you know, they got Mylotta in the sixth round. He he signed an extension. Um, Goddard in that in the second round. He signed an extension. Sanders like he's had his he he's had his drafts where he's been good, but he's had a lot of drafts where he's been really poor as well. Yeah, I guess I'm just gonna give Howie credit for for this year. Nothing to do with anything before week one. 
like the idea that he didn't go crazy and he's keeping money that he can roll over and use and have a bigger, have more buffer this off season and stuff. But yeah, we're never going to discount the lot, the misses in many of the recent drafts on, on his part. And I mean, I don't know if we can even blame the scouts. I think this is more on Howie and how he took the reins of certain picks and he missed because judging by the rumors that came out after the fact, there was like, well, we wanted Jeremy Chin. Howie decided to pull and go Jalen Hurts, pick up the phone and call Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. So like, you, it starts to make you wonder if he just looks at certain picks like he does. And he's like, I want this guy. This is my guy. Give me the phone. And he shuts everyone out in the war room. Like, that's what mm-hmm. it feels like. And he needs to stop doing that because judging by the rumors that come out after the fact, it sounds like our scouting department does an incredible job. They have really great guys on their radars, and we miss on them until late in the late in the draft. We miss on the big money guys, and we get the smaller ticket guys who end up becoming big money guys for us. Look at Jordan Mailata, you know, like look at like a TJ Edwards and stuff, like Josh Sweat even. I know Sweat was a bit earlier in the draft, but not that early. What was your fourth rounder or something? Third rounder? Something like that, yeah. So like we hit when they're smaller money makers. But we need to hit the big guys. The big if you keep all three first this year, you gotta nail every one of them. You take best player available or highest position of need when that comes around. Don't get cute. And I think that too often how he gets cute and he says, I want to make this my guy so that I can tell the people, look what I did with this guy when none of you believed in me. And so far, that has not worked out almost ever in rounds one and round two. So um hopefully like you said hopefully that that gets better for him um before we move on I guess uh before we move on from the Giants game I just want to talk about the defense quickly um when I rewatched the game in that defensive line man oh my gosh it is excruciating watching them try and create any type of pressure I know we rag on, rag on about it week in and week out but they just cannot create pressure yeah, the defensive ends I are just, bad I just watch and they literally run into the block and they just try and like use power. There's no moves. There's no speed. It's just trying to push the body, the person back. And it's just not working. It's just so hard to watch. And hopefully things change when Brandon Graham's back next week and or next year. And hopefully when we address the defensive end position through the draft or through free agency, hopefully we can get some, some bodies in there to help sweat, to help Fletcher Cox. Um, to help Javon Hargrave so that it can be a cohesive unit that's creating pressure again. Because that's it's just so hard to watch. Um, and otherwise, I mean, good good game by the safeties, surprisingly. I know that, you yeah, know. Yeah, and they've played, they've played all three. Rodney McLeod had an interception. Mm-hmm. Also tipped one to Alex Singleton, uh, who took it back to the house. Marcus Epps, you know, Anthony Harris. Jonathan Gannon has found a balance between the three. Um, and, and it's helped, especially Rodney McLeod coming off of the ACL. Like he doesn't have to play the hundred percent of the snaps anymore. They could divvy it up between the three and they all complement each other. So I, I agree. And the safeties were really, really good last week. That's what I'm thinking. Like if, if you can get McLeod back next year on a discount, I'm fine with it. But like, he's not a big money guy. He's a guy you know you're probably not playing more than 50% of the snaps in a game. And he needs to know and realize that because if he's going to a team and he's going to play 80-90% of the snaps, there's a good chance he's going to end up with another injury. That's just the way he is. His body, he's getting older. His body's become a bit more fragile with the injuries. So you don't want that. And we don't need to bring Harris back, but I would like to see McLeod back. And Epps is probably going to be back. And it's it's unfortunate that they won't have a high enough draft pick to – to get a Kyle Hamilton. Maybe they can get a Jaquan Brisker from Penn State. Who knows? But, yeah, it's a shame Agreed. because, um, you know, Kyle Hamilton would look good in, in, in the back end of the, the Eagles' uh, secondary. And I think he's the type of safety you need. You need an athletic do-it-all safety like Malcolm Jenkins before five years ago, you know, when he was, you know, he's still good, but he could move around a lot better. He was a lot more effective. Like that type, and I feel like that's kind of what Hamilton will bring. He can play all over there, and that's kind of what he needs in the safety position. Uh, Jonathan Gannon in the type of offense, you can trust them to cover their half of the field because you know he's going to put them in the cover two position a lot. 
And if he wants you to come down and blitz or wants you to help in the run game, you need to be able to do all of that. And none of them can, Harris can't do that all. McLeod can't do that all. Epps cannot do that all. That's why they're split. So like 50, 50, 50 a game, because none of them can do all of those aspects and help at all phases of the defense like he needs in a safety. So I agree with you. I, I wish we could get Hamilton because I think that's the type of safety that Gannon needs to effectively work a really good. He can handle the half the field or more than half the field himself. And then he can plug and play any other person beside that guy. He can bring McLeod back. He can bring Epps back and he can use them how he chooses, depending on the type of play that he's calling. So I agree. It is a shame, and but it's good to see that the movement's there. He's realizing, you know, not one of them individually works and can be there out on the field 90% of the time, but he's found, like, where each plays fairly well and uses them effectively that way. And I, I've continued to be impressed with Marcus Epps. I, I, I know that he's not a starter, but he definitely shores up, like, you can focus on getting a starter. The back end is probably fine. Keep working on Kevon Wallace. Hopefully you can develop him. Hopefully he can be healthy. And then you got Marcus Epps. Like you got guys you can trust, but we need to get a sure thing, number one safety. One of the biggest needs this offense. And and we need a, and we say this every year, a linebacker. And I was watching that Georgia um mm. Georgia Michigan game and the Kobe Dean, man. Or he would look awesome. I know we talked about Devin Lloyd before, but man, the Kobe Dean was sideline to sideline running down uh, running backs for Michigan yesterday, the quarterback, like he would look awesome, you know, and just, and the defensive end, Will Anderson for, for Alabama, like Will Anderson leads the country in sacks. He gets after the quarterback. What I would give to get the, if you could add those two guys to the Eagles defense, instantly better, instantly better right away. They're instant starters, put them on day one, um, in the middle of this or on the this Eagles defense and the Eagles defense is 100% better right away. Agreed. There are, there's I think three or four linebackers who are getting almost unanimous first round grades. The Eagles need to be in on one linebacker this year. They need to. I don't I don't think we can even make an excuse anymore. You could look at free agency if you want, but I think you need someone who can grow in your defense and become a focal point of your defense. And I think that more comes from using, investing a pick in a linebacker, a high-end pick in a linebacker, get in that fifth-year option and using them and letting them grow in your it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate, though, because what the Eagles are probably going to do is draft an offensive lineman, draft a defensive lineman, and trade the third first-round pick for a first-round pick next year. It, it, that th- is that's probably what's going to happen. Howie way. That's the most Howie way to the draft, I agree. Um, before- before we move on, I did want to talk about Lane Johnson's touchdown reception. Last week was the was the week for linemen to catch touchdowns. Um, uh, Lane Johnson caught one. I think a Jets lineman caught one. A steal for Dallas caught one. You know, getting the big men some respect, and Lane Johnson deserved it after like, all his time. I wish we could get Kelsey to get, catch one. It's it's harder for the center to to catch a touchdown, but um, I'm glad that they were able to get that in there, and and Lane Johnson was able to to do the link leap. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I thought that I thought that was great. That like uh, first touchdown, probably one of the only touchdowns. I would love to see Kelsey get it too, but it's harder for a, a center to report mm-hmm. and and be eligible downfield. Um, it's usually like a guard or a center that you get caught as the ineligible man downfield. You know, one of those penalties. But I would love to see it too. Line up Kelsey outside for uh, out at like the the tackle position or something for a snap and see what you can do with him. Because, I mean, that guy was running strap for strap with Miles Sanders a couple weeks ago. So <laughs> don't tell me that man can't go into the middle of the heart of a defense with a couple safeties who are undersized compared to him and some slower linebackers. And don't tell me that man can't feast and get a touchdown. Exactly. He, he definitely could. And we'll see if, Sir, if Sirianni's able to make that happen. Uh, I don't know if there's anything he can't do. Um, all right, so before we get to our unhallowed player, I wanted to talk about um, the passing of John Madden uh, mm-hmm. last last earlier or middle of the week. Uh, John Madden passed away. Did you get a chance to watch the documentary? Um, I, yeah, I did not. I did not. I, actually. I watched it. It was good. I would definitely recommend watching it. Um, we, I mean, I I grew up playing the Madden football game, um, listening to Madden and Summerall, Madden and Michaels. 
Um, just like he was the voice, I guess you could say, of our generation of, of being able to watch football. Um, you know, and we, we, a lot of people learned football from the Madden video game. I mean, I still, I still play the Madden video game, even though like his voice isn't, isn't in it and the game hasn't really gotten much better, unfortunately, but I'm hoping, uh, or, but yeah, you know, Madden taught us football. He was the coach. He was the coach of, of our generation, the coach of, and, and whenever you listen to him and him on the teleprompter, like he was always coaching, he was always teaching. And, and, and we don't see that from analysts nowadays that are, that are calling games. Yeah, agreed. He, he was a complete game changer. Obviously you don't name your video game series after a guy if he hasn't completely altered football in general uh, whether it be from a coaching standpoint all the way through to like his analysis and his broadcasting days, he's, he just did so much. He he is like the definition of NFL. When you say the word NFL and you think about someone who has impacted NFL the most, I bet you nine out of 10 people, eight out of 10 people are going to say John Madden. If you're, if you're old enough to know or, or, whatever know him and what he's done and play the video games you're immediately gonna his name is almost synonymous with nfl and the impact that he's had on the game so that was a when i saw that come through i was like oh man that 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 hits that hits home for sure um especially watching football every single sunday and 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 knowing what he's done to to and for the game it's crazy man so definitely rest in peace to to john man yeah definitely it's unfortunate Again, it does stink, but I'm glad he was able to at least see that that documentary. All right, let's move on before we get to the Eagles-Washington matchup to your unheralded player of the week for week 16 in the National Football League. You can go ahead, Connor. Man, this, I can't believe I'm saying this guy's name in 20, well, we're 2022 now. But at the time, I can't believe I was looking at this stat line from him in 2021. Rex Burkhead. Oh, you stole my guy. <laughs> For 149 yards, two TDs, and the Texans got their fourth win against that Chargers team that yeah. was looking playoff bound, and now their hopes are really hanging in the balance with an eight and seven record in the AFC. Not as good, not as safe as an eight and seven record in the NFC. As we see, the Eagles are right in the middle of the base, the race, and and the Chargers are like barely hanging on right now. So um, that was a shame, and and the Texans to get four wins is massive, man. Like. That's a team that probably should should have had one or two, and they got four. So, so that's really impressive. Sucks that you know they're they're hurting their their draft stock, but at the end of the day, whatever it is, what it is, you might be able to roll with Davis Mills for another year, like figure out some more answers, get some big playmakers at like the defensive end position, get a good anchor for the future there, and then look next year to the quarterbacks because Davis Mills is likely with his NFL experience, might be on par with some of the guys coming out this year. Just because he's got that NFL experience, he's got that comfort with the playbook. If David Culley stays, obviously, of course, tough first year with a team that shouldn't even have four wins, and yeah. everyone's calling for David Culley's job, of course. Um, so, yeah, I got to shout out Rex Burkett on that point because that's an amazing stat line for a dude on a team that shouldn't be there and on a guy who I think you were almost certain his career was over when his, he signed with the Texans after being in New England. Yeah, I was going to go Rex Burkett, but I'll change it up. I'm going to go with our old friend, Nick Foles. He went 24-35, 250 yards, a touchdown in a 25-24 victory, leading, uh, finding Jimmy Graham for a 15-yard touchdown pass with a minute, one minute and one second left. And then the, then the Bears going for two. Um, both teams, I mean, you know, both teams are five and ten now. Both teams don't have their first round pick next year. The the Bears' first round pick is to the Giants, and Seattle's first round pick is with the uh, Jets. But gotta give Nick Foles the the consummate professional coming in, and you know when when uh, Dalton is is out and when Fields is out, coming in and in a snowy Seattle and coming away with the 25-24 victory. So I'm going to our old friend Nick. Foles. I, I love him, man. It's always such a feel-good story when Nick Foles goes out on a field, you know, that one time a year, because it seems like he always gets at least one game a year. 
And you're sitting there and you're like, man, that guy won us the Super Bowl. He also was part one of the pip, one of the reasons that Carson Wentz had such a bruised ego and, and had to get out of Philadelphia. But I mean, you always what there's always a soft spot. Every there is no way you can be an Eagles fan and not have a soft spot for Nick Foles, even if he's going out there and getting the crap pounded out of him and losing by three or four scores, or whether he's out there winning a really close game like this one against the Seahawks. There's just a soft spot for Nick Foles. So good choice there. Yeah. All right. The Philadelphia Eagles are eight and seven, and they are ho- traveling to D.C. or excuse me, Landover, Maryland, to face the Washington football team. A win proves the Eagles to nine and seven, with the potential of clinching a playoff berth this week if a couple of games go their way. And with Kirk Cousins out for Minnesota, I actually didn't think that Minnesota was going to beat Green Bay twice in the year anyway. Um, so this definitely helps the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles in Washington faced. Was it two weeks ago, and the Eagles won 27-17. Actually, it was more like 10 days ago. Um, on a Tuesday night in Philly, the Eagles started slow but were able to break away in the second half. Um, I'm not sure if you're right in this. I know you said with, with the holidays and stuff, it's been busy, Connor. Are you right in uh, this week for, for this game? No, unfortunately, no. Yeah, okay. things, were, things were pretty crazy. But, yeah. I mean, obviously – I've looked at the game. I've looked mm-hmm. at the players who might be out and stuff. And like, obviously, there's the the major impact is Antonio Gibson. Yeah. We we shut him down. But when you take Antonio Gibson out, and I'm not 100% certain if JD McKissick's back and healthy yet. So if you take a look at that and you see these two players who might not be playing, uh, who likely won't be playing, like those are massive losses. Like you pretty much don't even have to worry about a run game at all. Even like. Gibson out McKissick, like McKissick's more of a receiving back, and you, you don't normally have to stress much beyond that. Um, so, like, and like you said, McGloin's banged up, and and Darius Slay ten nights ago did an incredible job of shutting Terry McLaurin down. Like he struggled, he got that one big play, mm-hmm. um, and that was pretty much about it for Terry McLaurin, minus a couple smaller plays. Obviously, he's going to be there, and there's going to be an impact, but Washington's banged up. I mean. I like Ron Rivera, the adversity that he plays through. Him and Dan Campbell, for some reason, I just they players play so hard for the, these two guys. Um, but except Washington football team players don't really care because they, if they cared, they wouldn't be one of the lowest vaccinated teams in the league. That that too, that that too. Love respect. They will play for him, but the respect level doesn't seem to be there. But um, like then they're missing Logan Thomas too. Like there's so many bodies that this team's missing. They're going to be out Willie Jackson, cornerback, Eric Flowers, the tackle. Like they're mm-hmm. missing a lot of bodies. They're banged up. This is the impact of like, I want to say it's an 18 game season, but we haven't even reached week 18, but you're seeing the impact. Like a lot of players are going to have to have different roles. Like you can't just completely roll a guy, steamroll a guy for 18 weeks and expect him to be able to stay healthy and be able to produce for your team. Look at the injuries Philadelphia. Look at what people have put. You, you look at Kelsey. Man, every time they zoom in on that guy and he's walking, he's limping. Like yeah. that dude's playing through things. Jalen Hurts, he's playing through things. Miles Sanders has been playing through things. Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard, like you, everybody's playing through stuff. You can't have guys who are playing 100% of the snaps and not banged up and yeah, nobody's 100% at this time. No, exactly. And, and the 18th game only makes things worse. That's why the impact of the 18th game, we don't want to have to play anyone. Jalen Hurts resting up, good. Devonta Smith, go out there for a half and then get off the field. Don't maybe don't even let play it be a Gardner Minshew game. Let it, yeah, let, let, it be, let it be a Minshew, let it be a, a Tyree Jackson, let it be a Quez Watkins, Jalen Regger show. I'm fine with that. A Boston Scott show. Andre Diller, if he comes off the COVID list, show yeah. Yeah, Andre, if Brandon Brooks is re- is is good to go, which I don't even know if he's even alive, but like if he's around, <laughs> like put him out there. Like that's the type of game. Get all these bodies off that you need healthy for wildcard weekend. That's why I think get this game over with. Win this game. Come out early. Play with that playoff mentality from the first snap to the final buzzer at the end of the game and at in the fourth quarter. I don't care if you're up three scores. Play right down to the end and finish this game off early and hope that you get the help from the other teams. I didn't, I agree with you. I did not think that Minnesota had much of a chance in the first place. Now they have almost none with, who is it? Minion or whatever. 
playing Mannion. Yeah. Playing um like Sean Mannion. Yeah, Sean Mannion, and like now that's even less of a chance against the Green Bay Packers team that's looking really good, that's looking really legit um, in their final dance potentially for Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. So um, just to me, this is one of those games, don't start out slow. Finish it early, score often, take advantage of a team that's banged up and down some very key players. It's, it's plain and simple. And I'm tired of saying get pressure. I think it's at this point it's too obvious. Create any type of pressure you possibly can. Make Tyler he- Taylor Heineke uncomfortable because Taylor Heineke, he 20 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. He got a lot, he's got a lot of interceptions. He's made a lot of mistakes. He likes to heave up the 50-50 balls. You can make him make mistakes. You can force turnovers. Just get a little bit of pressure and, and trust the secondary to continue to, to make plays like they've been making week in and week out. And Rivera said that he's going to play Kyle Allen as well. Um, so... Well, that that week 17 game last year in Philly where the Eagles, the Sunday night matchup where in the fourth quarter they went to Nate Sudfeld. This could be the uh, on a, the, the tanking version, I guess, in week 17 for, for Washington. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, you know, with with the, the offensive line decimated, you're right. Get pressure. I don't care who it is. Just somebody get pressure on on Taylor Heineke. You know, don't, don't let him sit back there because um, he's better than Garrett Gilbert. Um, Garrett Gilbert was able to hit a couple of passes deep down the field on, or get, hit that pass deep down the field to, to McLaren, uh, uh, 10 days ago or however many days ago it was. So, so you're right, you know, get pressure after Heineke for some mistakes and get up early, get a nice sizable lead so that you can bring in the backups. And, you know, if things fall your way, you clinch the playoff berth. And then next week, when we're talking about the Dallas matchup, like you don't have to worry about winning to guarantee winning to ensure that you're in the playoffs. It's you're already in the playoffs. You just have to figure out who's going to be the, the number two seed. Like, and that game, it'd be, not, it'd be cool if that game just didn't mean nothing to the Eagles. You could play Minshew and it actually meant something to Dallas. And if the Eagles found a way to beat Dallas when they were playing for something and the Eagles were not, it would actually be hilarious. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but yeah, I mean, the Eagles are the better team. Um, so, so they need to come out and prove it. Start, quick don't start slow like they have been over the last couple weeks so what's your prediction connor i'm going with philadelphia i've been rolling with philadelphia i think for the last three or four weeks um my and i've been along this stretch i'm pretty much the same as them i'm pretty much five and one or whatever in in that stretch of time picking with them and i'm going to continue to pick with uh philadelphia this week I think we get that win. I think they come out with that mentality of let's get this game over with and out of reach early and just go on cruise control and and take our place in the playoffs. I think they're going to play with that mentality. Um, so I'm going Philadelphia Eagles. I think I'm going to go with a 24 to 14 for okay. Philadelphia. I'm going to go with the Eagles as well, but it's going to be another slow start and it's going to be frustrating because it shouldn't be a slow start and it, and the game shouldn't be close, but um, for some reason, you like you mentioned, they might not respect, or they probably respect Ron Rivera. They don't respect them enough to, to get the vaccine, but they do play hard for him. Um, you know, maybe, and Dallas, after giving up 56 points to Dallas last, last week, they're going to, and, and being, you know, team of national embarrassment last week when Deron Payne and um, Jonathan Allen, the two college teammates, um, you know, throwing punches at each other, getting pissed off and showing showing it with camera in their face. Yeah, they're going to want to come out to prove that that was kind of a fluke. So they're going to play tough early on. But I think the Eagles, being the more talented team, are going to pull away in the end. I think it's going to be 27 to 14 Eagles. Uh, they'll, they'll score a couple of times in the fourth quarter to make it look a little more look a little better than than what the game is going to feel like and and you know we'll we'll be pissed off because they didn't play the, you know a full 60 minute game but they'll get the win and they'll potentially clinch a playoff berth this week I would love it I would love it I want to be able to have a victory green hour next week and where we're talking about where we're previewing the Cowboys game and we can literally say I'm ready for the wildcard weekend. Can we just yes. move the wildcard weekend now? I don't even want to talk about this Cowboys game because it don't matter. I just game hope that the matter. Eagles aren't playing that Monday night 
wild card game, which feels like if it's Dallas, it feels like an Eagles Dallas the Monday night the Monday yeah, night. It feels like that game. division game. Like if if any divisional teams end up against each other lined up that wild card weekend, you know that's going to be the Monday night game. You know that's a prime time number one game that's going to draw some good ratings. So they're going to put it there. Well, so if they want it, if I they think. want that, they would make it a Sunday night game because the Monday night crew stinks. Monday night crew stinks, but you know you're, you you know you want to draw lots of eyes to Monday night. You know Sunday night, they already got a lot of eyes on it, usually highly rated. Monday, not as much. You want all the eyes there to prove this wildcard weekend is going to work. This extra game is going to – these extra games and teams are going to work. Watch us take over Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and have these amazing games. Yeah, so we will see. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour, as always. You can follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. You can follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. And you can follow me on Twitter at LJHarrell54. And you can follow our partners at the Fight Philly Fight Network at FPF Network on Twitter. Or go to the website FightPhillyFightNetwork.com for not only for our podcast, but the Fight Philly Fight Network podcast and any of the writing material. That goes up. We'll be on the website. So for Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. Fly, Eagles, fly.